Okay, we're on. That's how it's going to be. How's that delicious cup of TGDP blend coffee you're drinking there? It's delicious. It's edgy. It's uh, yeah. smart. It's funny. It's dark like my <laughs> wetsuit booties. Okay. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. It's full bodied, like. It's smooth like my kicks. Ooh. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. Yeah, everybody. Spring is sprung. Don't you don't even talk about that. Because you're back. gonna you're gonna get a blizzard next week if you uh <laughs> Well, w- once again, you, you know, go, I go out to California. Beautiful, yeah. sunny San Diego, California last week and talking to patty on the phone and she's got this angry kind of cranky attitude i'm like honey i'm, I'm gonna be home soon what's what's the problem oh it snowed last night. yeah it's michigan man it's like when we went to like last april when we went down to fort lauderdale yeah and that crazy oh, yeah, ice storm ice hit storm. While, uh, while we were down she's getting this thing of when i go away for a, little, <laughs> for a few days in the spring she knows something bad's gonna happen it's like i'm uh it's like I myself am some sort of a weather phenomenon. I come into town and it just opens up the skies with sun and shine and beauty and blue skies. And it pushes pushes all that weather pattern away and it eventually butterfly affects its way right back to Michigan. <laughs> hey, but in the meantime, you know what we should we should mention to everybody. Big shout out to our listeners for all helping of us helping up all of them. A every, shout out. Every one of them. We're going to shout out to all of our listeners. A round of applause for our, our yeah, listeners. Yeah, big round of applause, because this, this, this goes out to you guys. Here yeah. we go. 12,000. 12,000 plays. In one hour. In the, in the month of March. Not it's bad. Like, halfway through the month, I was thinking, damn, we might, we might hit 10,000 this month. And then we, we, you guys blew that away. Nice. So, from the... From the Bottom of my booties, I thank you guys. From the tip of my fins to the top of my snorkel. We should talk about our one review who didn't like our our uh, our pre-subject hilarity, if you will, banter, our witty banter Which pre-subject. One? We got that one review who's like, yeah, I'd listen to these assholes for six six minutes before they started talking about diving, the actual subject. So he's a little upset about that. So I just wanted to tell that guy to fuck off. <laughs> Go. Well, if you just want, I, I'm I'm trying to understand. Like, oh, he's he's a little upset that there was some entertainment in there and uh, a little 
like I say, witty banter prior to delving into the subject matter. But I guess if you just want a documentary style podcast, you might want to go listen to the other ones that have such, you know, that go right down to the subject, like boom, they just, hey, uh, welcome to the blank, blank podcast, diving. Welcome what is it? <laughs> welcome to another boring week of scuba talk. Mm-hmm. This week on Scuba Talk, <laughs> we'll discuss regulator performance. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? I'd like to be able to listen in for the scuba information and opinions in this podcast. They have plenty to share. It's all good stuff. But I can't call it a good dive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because in the most recent episodes, the first minute and a half is a clip of a conversation with no context. The intro music then takes more than a minute on its own. And the first three and a half minutes of the actual podcast don't even mention scuba. This is pretty standard for all the episodes. Yeah, it's called entertainment, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> what the hell, man? Hey, no offense to the guy. He's, he's probably a nice guy who wants to get right down to business, but... Hey, that's right. You're, uh, you're entitled to your opinion. Yours just happens to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how stupid. <laughs> I've listened to the other podcasts, and... Uh, I mean, that's the thing that separates you is there's a little, uh, you know, outside funny commentary or whatever, but well, it doesn't all have to be like serious scuba. Dude, I'm, I'm with you. Like, yeah. like if I listen to any podcast, I don't listen to it, you know, because I want that one that subject. subject. Yeah. Right. I want to, I want to, I want it related to life and reality. Right. And it's the personality of the characters that are presenting the show to me is right. what I really like about the the podcast that I listen to. Exactly. Not necessarily the content yeah, as much as the way great, they right. the way they give it to you mm-hmm. and you can uh, you can learn something, you can laugh, have a good time along the way. Right. That's what I like out of a show. Yeah, see where they're going to take you. Uh, you know, if if it's all expected like okay, we're just going to get into diving, right? That's kind of boring. It, it's kind of like I could get that out of a magazine. I could read it myself. And I, and I don't have to listen to these assholes. Well, I think that's voice. what that's what we do is yeah. is we take that magazine and we yeah, pep and it up. We, we not spice only pep it up. Hey, we put my a magazine lasagna. <laughs> magazine lasagna. Yeah, we uh, we we bring a different perspective to a topic, something that they're that they're you might not be getting out of that reading it on your own. There you go. A different perspective. So anyway, we're not going to change anything that we're doing because of the one review. Hell no. Uh, I, I just thought Although we did uh, change you know. one thing, and I, I guess we should ask a little bit of a listener response. Oh, the, on the last uh, episode well, when we, I I did not put any witty banter, I purposely didn't put any witty banter in the front. I, I just did, went right right into the music. I did notice that. Yeah, yeah, that was in response to Mister Reddit. Ah, screw him. Well, no, I just wanted I'm, to see no, if there, about, people would be like, oh, thank God, they finally shut their mouths and went right to the subject. Okay, well, hey, let's ask them. <laughs> what do you like better? Two, more importantly, is we stopped the beeps. Oh, yeah, the beeps are gone, yes. Yeah, so we, we're we just got fucking the, we swearing, got some, man. Uh, we're just fucking talking the way we fucking talk. <laughs> and if you don't like it, <laughs> you're going to have to, you know, tune into another podcast. But Yeah, yeah tune into that Reddit thread the and see, and see what that other guy <laughs> all straight to scuba diving no swearing well and again jamesy we talked about this when we started this you're gonna have critics that you can't please everybody so well we did get the the comment about the beats were too loud yeah yeah, yeah. or swear then, or don't swear and don't then, man, it, adds, it adds yeah. it adds a, a big workload to go in and and, and do all that correction of, right. of the censoring 
so that it was a non-swearing mm-hmm. show. Because when we started this, we said, eh, mild profanity's fine. And then we both realized that we said fuck a lot. We do. <laughs> Some days more than others. It depends on, you know, depends what's on going the, on in our personal lives. <laughs> it depends on the traffic coming up. Yeah, and it bleeds into bleeds into the podcast. But. So, we, so now we'll just uh, try to be cleaner. So it's not an outright raunchy show, but um, but we're gonna just leave it be, mostly because we got sick of the extra work it took to, <laughs> to get the podcast ready for you guys. Yeah. That being said, that being said, thank you to everyone listening except for that one guy. Well, I still want to thank him. Yeah, yeah. We'll Everything's thank him. appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm... We're kidding mostly. Okay, so I found this old editorial from Skin Diver from January of 1972 by the old publisher, a. International Scuba Diving Hall of Fame inductee Peter Zamoulis. T-S-I-M-O-U-L-I-S. Yeah. Right. can't remember what, he, what is he like famous for. Is he photo, video kind of guy? Uh, I believe he was a photographer. Yeah. Back in, uh, back in the 67, yeah, it was yeah. early days and was the publisher yeah, the of Skin Diver. Yeah, familiar. Ah, that's why. That's why I've seen it. So he wrote an article called Double Trouble, which I think when we look at something that we were talking about in both the Dan incident report from before, the BSAC report this year, an issue that divers face, which is not really being prepared to dive in a dive team when they walk out of their training. And they had the discussion back then of, I mean, back in the 70s of, is a buddy an asset or a liability? Yeah, the eternal question. Correct. Yeah, it depends on the buddy. It depends on yourself, but yeah, it depends on the buddy. Most but, definitely, yeah, right? Yeah. Because when we looked at the Dan report, mm-hmm. there was a number of issues where the buddy played a role in those fatalities. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this is, to me, kind of common sense. As a parent, with my, for example, I have a job to do around the house. Say I'm going to paint one of the rooms, right? I'm going to paint a bedroom. Now, my in my wife's mind, she'll say, hey... Your son's going to help you. It's going to go well. It's going to be done quicker, right? Because you got help. (laughs) You got help. Uh, But in my mind, I'm like, I'd rather do this solo. And she thinks, you know, wow, you never finish it. It'll take you days. I'm like, no. She doesn't understand this concept. Like, it's very critical, the selection of your team. Very critical for any job, even painting. Even painting the room. Yeah, so that, I mean, it's... I, and I had this growing up. I had a younger brother. I was the oldest. You know, hey, get your brother to help you. I'm like, no, <laughs> can't. No, that can't idiot. I just do it can. myself. <laughs> exactly. What do you want this to take three weeks? <laughs> this one hour job. From the very start of his scuba class, the student is instructed to never dive alone. His buddy diver is supposed to be a combination of amiable companion, diver tender, lifeguard, and early warning system in times of peril or emergency. This interdependence among dive partners becomes deeply seated in the novice diver's mind and further often becomes a permanent part of his underwater survival instinct. And this may very well be the correct and proper approach toward diver training safety, except for one thing. The diving buddy receives little instruction as to how he is supposed to save his partner's life. Quite often, a well-meant attempt at underwater assistance results in total confusion and chaos. Now, keep in mind, this is from a time when there wasn't a lot of open water diving post scuba class, too. So right. at, this di- the, the, at this time, I think there was maybe one dive, maybe one day, meaning two dives. And then later on, in order to correct this, they went to two, two days, days of open four water, dives. four dives. Yeah. You know, but snorkel. still, 
the amount of time that's spent on air sharing in a team is very minimal in a scuba oh, class yeah. today. Oh, in, yeah. in, in the majority of scuba classes. Well, let me ask you this, James, as a scuba instructor. When you teach an open water class, being that this is the base, to me, it's probably one of the most important classes you'll have because it's going to kind of dictate. It sets uh, your foundation of, yeah, exactly. of, of how your brain works in an underwater setting, no doubt about it. So you knowing you have a limited time, right? You really have a limited time frame. That's the whole thing behind scuba. The problems with scuba is the business model is it's, it's time-based because you need to jam more and more in shorter time. Of course, they say a, a problem in the uh, scuba I guess customer service or, or being able to get cut marketing, I should say. Scuba marketing is people don't want to sign up for it because it takes too long. So they shorten the classes. You as the scuba instructor, as a good, smart scuba instructor, where are you gonna emphasize the training and in what areas, knowing you have limited time? What would what would be the greatest benefit to the uh, student and allow you to look at yourself in the mirror and sleep at night, you know? What area do you think is the wisest emphasis? Or is it different with a with you know per student? Well, I think it's it's definitely got to be per student. I think that's why I, I am glad that I'm lucky enough to not have to do the mm-hmm. the the puppy mill classes anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? But that it, was a conscious choice. Yes, it was. As a matter of because fact, of you, that, you you take grief for it, or you right. took grief for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know teaching you know the, a a real thought philosophy like like we have taught mm-hmm. you and I both for over a decade now like what we do in the essentials is is that not the main thing of what we do is you're you're fixing that original mind and behavior of the diver more than you are teaching a scuba skill it's, you're really trying to unlearn yeah well that's that whole primacy thing you Absolutely. know that we, we talk about that in classes is the thing you learn the first is is really in there I mean it's it's like cemented in and if it's a good thing it's a good it's great, thing. yeah. If it was a bad thing, that's <laughs> a lot of yeah. work to break. If it's not conducive to safe diving, if it's not uh, going to help you continue and progress with diving, and it's not going to make diving safer and easier for you, boy, uh, it's hard to unlearn it to get you on the right track. So that being said, I look at it and I th- I'm always thinking, where should I spend my time with this student? What's the best use of our limited resource of time uh, in what area. Almost always, to me, it, it goes, you know, it's that foundation of balance, buoyancy, and trim. I think, you know, that is usually difficult for people to get. And the well, importance it of it is can't be understated, in my, in my mind. No, it, there's two schools out there, in my opinion, today. It's, it's the main school, which is overwhelmingly the, the majority of education out there is, We've got ten skills we got to get through. Right. Let's get through them all, and then and if master, there's time, they have to be mastery. If there's time, you can work on your buoyancy. Yes. And, uh, That'll come and then with time. If mm-hmm. if not, I got another class buoyancy specialty mm-hmm. you can do next next week. Yes. And then there's our school, which is you need if you can't control. stand, you can't run. Very good. Right. Yeah. So spend the time working on this, and then adding the skills is nothing. Right. I mean, the other side of that is you're not teaching them to be an instructor level skills, right? Yeah. But you do have to get them to a point where they have balance, buoyancy, trim under control. Anyway, that just curious what you what you thought of that because I I know you know scuba instructors the vast majority are gonna cry, hey, we only have a limited amount of time, so if we're Correct. not gonna do a hundred million air Correct. shares, and we're not gonna do this. They're gonna show it once. They know how to do it. 
maybe twice, out the door. You know, clear a mask, which is usually, a, I mean, that's a hump for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, but there's ways to oh, yeah. build your education where they've already learned that without even knowing that they've learned it. They've so when it gets set, to the mask right? clear, it just happens. Right. They've already been swimming without a mask. They've learned, hey, yeah. I don't need the mask to breathe. But yeah. Okay. The subtle deficiency in current scuba training, and keep in mind this is 1972, right? <laughs> current scuba training methods is beginning to come home to roost. According to a recently published L.A. County Underwater Safety Committee report, a study of Southern California scuba and free diving fatalities, 20% of the fatalities involved a buddy diver attempting to give assistance to his partner. Among these, there were two cases of double drownings where the difficulties of one diver resulted in the demise of both he and his partner. Ralph Singer, accident researcher and author of the report, commented that the location and position of the victims tended to indicate an attempted rescue, which led to a panic situation. In nine other cases, the surviving buddy reported he was nearly drowned while attempting to assist the victim. At least two of the accidents occurred while buddy breathing. Did you see that video that Kevin shared from uh, the internet of the air sharing, the actual air share coming up in a scent line where the guy had a, a console <laughs> SP and it started leaking? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing is, there are people out there defending that saying, oh, well, they did good. Well, they didn't. They didn't do I mean, good. They, they ended up at the surface alive. They made it. Right. And that's, that's by their a complete gauge. Fluke. I think that's, that's the thing that upsets me the most is that's the barometer. That's the gauge in which scuba industry is measuring itself. They lived. That shouldn't be. That's not the gauge. No, it you, shouldn't be. You should be, be. expected be. to be living. I think that's what. Uh... And it was a non emergency. I mean, the, the whole video, the whole thing demonstrates. The mentality of scuba students, or, and these guys weren't students; they're certified divers. This this mentality is effed up. I mean, well, I think that's where uh, Zamoulis was going when he was yeah, saying this. Yeah, well, right? exactly. That's why you I know, bring it he, up when he brings up twenty percent of the fatalities were because of the actual buddy making it mm-hmm. worse. And when we did the Dan report, Goddamn you know, report. When we did that Goddamn report, they mentioned that. 12% of the fatalities were intended as solo dives, uh, but most of those fatalities began as buddy dives. So it was a solo dive. It was a solo dive because the guy was by himself right. and he died, but it right. was a breakup of a buddy team that mm-hmm. led to that fatality. And then when we looked at the BSAC report this year, remember they were saying that in 11 of the uh, fatalities, out of there was like 56, I think. Um, the divers either began their dive alone or became separated again. So they started together, but mm-hmm. or the, they began the dive alone or became separated right to begin with. And then four of the cases, there were uh, three people that didn't know how to dive and a three that led to the fatality. So again, this is a again a trend that has seemed to stay relatively consistent mm-hmm. since when he was bringing it up in the seventies, right? The seventies, yeah. The trend toward double trouble is further corroborated by evidence presented in the University of Rhode Island's 1970 diving fatality report. At least 19 cases involved one diver attempting to assist his buddy, and there were a total of four double death incidents. Although a double drowning is well within the range of accident possibility, current percentages of frequency are thought to be abnormally high. According to the URI researches, quote, 
We suspect over the years the buddy system has been given a great deal of lip service, but relatively little careful study. Yeah, we could have told you that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing with it. Well, we're, say, we're saying it. I mean, we're saying it now, and, and we've been saying it for decades ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And the issue's been presented long before before that. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the sole reason that the solo divers waving the solo diving flag have any leg to stand on is because they are correct. They are correct. Yeah. 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 For Uh, that reason. Right. But it's not that solo diving is better. It's just that it's better than diving with a complete mess. There you go. There you go. So it's almost a fallacy type argument. It's like you either have this or this, you know, it's, that's called a, what's that called? Double, double fallacy, whatever. Uh, that argument where you, you think... Uh, I know the, the term. Yeah. It's a false dichotomy. False... Thank you. Dang! I used to use Boom. it all the time, and it's this is uh, Alzheimer's. Um, so, yeah, you have the false dichot- dichotomy, like there's either solo diving or buddy diving. But there's team diving with two buddies or more on the same page with this, you know, knowledge and skill are taken into account versus that, that buddy team thing... Is anything it's and there's all and there's also another one. Yeah, it's getting buddied up with a oh with a com- total stranger. Yeah, yeah, it's getting buddied up with a total mess. Yeah, we've been there and and done that. That's um. I mean, I'm at the point where if I go somewhere without my buddy, I don't do any fancy diving unless I know well, somebody. Well, there, yeah, for sure, know. for sure. I it's a thirty maybe fifty foot reef. Who knows who you're going to be buddied up with? Who knows? Hey, can I get on the tech dive boat today? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done that. I like too. that guy's oh. suit. Can I uh, buddy yeah. up with him? Yeah, you just don't do that. You you scale it back. And this is learned but, from yeah. experiences. Yeah, but and and that's right where we're going, right? Yeah. The the revelation of these statistics stirred a great deal of concern among scuba instructors, and in many cases has divided them into two separate camps. One group of instructors is avid is advocating abandonment of the buddy system as a primary safety rule, claiming it only builds a false sense of security. They prefer to emphasize the development of a stronger degree of self-reliance, the use of bailout bottles and other safety equipment. They are convinced that the diving buddy may be more of a hazard than a help. And people today that are talking about solo diving are claiming that this is something new that, that they're, they're, it's coming into their mind. <laughs> yeah. This is the way to fix it. No, this is something that we've been talking about for decades, which is partly why you and I went down the road that we went mm-hmm. 20 years ago because of these same very things. Yeah, upon examination, you can see that the argument is really, it's misleading because of that false dichotomy. There, there isn't just solo and buddy diving. That, there's more than that. The other group, in parentheses, he mentions the majority of instructors staunchly defends the buddy system and blames the double deaths on poor training. They point to the hundreds of successful underwater rescues, which can be directly attributed to the buddy system and buddy breathing. Quote, don't condemn the system, make it better, is their rebuttal. It is the writer's opinion that the buddy system is basically a good system, but certainly needs to be improved. A review of the current scuba training textbooks very quickly reveals a serious deficiency. Most manuals devote no more than a few paragraphs to such important subjects as buddy breathing, underwater rescues, or underwater first aid. Detailed instruction of the safety of the system is virtually non-existent. And that's because I would say, how are you going to sell somebody a rescue class if you give them all of that in in an open water class? So there's a flaw to the model, which is what we've said from, from day one is... 
the majority of basic scuba teaches you to follow the dive leader. Yes, and, and people, just but, live. And the problem yeah. is people walk out of the class going, I'm certain I got my card right here. Right. I'm going to just go do my diving. Right. And it's obvious. I mean, we've been talking f- for 50 years about how you're leaving. And this is back when a class was 12 weeks long. Yeah. Yeah. What they could have really done with that class. But yeah. And you actually had a physical standard to meet, you know, uh, fitness. For example, let's look. Let's examine the current training method for buddy breathing. Most manuals treat the subject superficially, explaining briefly the procedure and position for trading the regulator mouthpiece back and forth, yet none of the textbooks gives any advice on when and when not to commence buddy breathing. None of the manuals instruct the reader to check his buddy's eyes for signs of uncontrollable panic. None of the books caution the diver about the frontal approach to a panicked, thrashing diver who may very well drag his buddy down with him, a fact which is greatly emphasized in lifeguard training. Only the Navy diving manual states that a diver in trouble should never grab or take away his buddy's regulator. It should only take it when offered. It is more than likely that the diving (laughs) buddy may also be running out of air, resulting in two divers fighting over a regulator, which is attached to an empty tank. The decision as to whether to buddy breathe or make a free swimming ascent cannot be left to chance. It must be pre-planned at the time when the student is receiving his initial instruction. Every detail and alternative should be spelled out and then practiced in the water. So this is a time for a lot of you new divers out there. They're talking about buddy breathing, meaning sharing one sharing second one. stage. Yeah. Right? The, 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 the carrying of the octopus wasn't that popular. Mm-hmm. The air McDoodle definitely wasn't a, a popular system yet. It was just that one second stage. Showing the effect of drug usage by the uh, designers of scuba <laughs> care during the 80s. <laughs> but, um, but even still, I, I like how he's saying the ability to read the student and you know, later on, they did come to these alternate air source options, right, mm-hmm. to, to cut down the, the opportunity, opportunity for mistakes and the, the panic situation leading into a fight for a regulator. Mm-hmm. Right? I could just put an additional air source. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later we come to what we do, which is proper gas planning to go along with that to ensure that I've always got the amount of gas that I need to get two divers home. Not just shove a regulator in the mouth and hopefully we pop to the surface, which is the situation of what we were just talking about in that little video. Yeah. And all that being said, there's even more that our system goes into. I mean, the way we do things. We go a little more in depth into, okay, the psychology of an air share or a diving out of gas situation where the diver who's out of gas really is going to be in in instinct mode, in, in panic mode. They're not going to be thinking, okay, I gotta, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna grab the octo out of his octo holder that probably is, the octo's actually dragging behind him somewhere. The diver's gonna go for where he sees gas. Yes. Right? Out, out of air rarely happens like a drill. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you just plan for that? So plan that he's gonna take the one in, out of your mouth. And instead of carrying an octo and an octo holder that's going to drag behind you, necklace it up. It's it's on your neck. It's there all the time. It doesn't come out. I mean, it right? Can, uh, the the octo clippy thingies are. They don't. They're well. Here's the thing. It's kind of uh. It's got to be designed to be easily 
taken out. Which you know what that means. Secure. How can it be easily taken out and secure at the same time? It's you're working against right. Two, if it's, two if it's different easy to come out, opposite. Yeah. It's dragging between your legs. <laughs> exactly. If it's secure, mm-hmm. you're fighting for it in the at the moment where you need to get it out. And then if you pull it out at the beginning of the dive to make sure it's fully deployable. So if you do need it, right. You're never going to get it back in the goddamn thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means you're going to abandon it and just going to swim around during the dive with it flopping around anyway. Right. So it's, a, it's, it's we... a dumb design. Yeah. Well, it, it's a dumb design even to the skill set. So why don't you plan a skill set and an equipment configuration that that works towards what's probably going to happen in an airshare, which is grabbing the rag out of your mouth and you, the one donating, will, will have to have a reg handy for yes. you right well that's the system that that we've adopted yeah. but the the mainstream industry no right, yeah again it goes back to you're not being trained to think underwater right you're being trained to have a bunch of crap on you follow the dive master and when your beepy goes beepy beepy <laughs> you go uppy uppy exactly i think we we should try to be a little better yep and while we're on the subject Oh, Paul Zamula says. I think Paul was a lot more. You're talking like you would talk, but I think I should have read this because I think Paul's more of on a rant, like the old raving ranter over here. I, you know, while we're on the subject. <laughs> All right, it starts right here. You, you go for it. And while we're on the subject, how about the water portion of buddy breathing training? You. <laughs> Most students receive only limited superficial type training. Most students receive only limited superficial type training. They start buddy breathing in the shallow end of the pool and then move it to the deep end for one or two practice sessions during subsequent lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, Paul. Take it easy. (laughs) Slow down a little bit. Well, if he's passionate enough to actually write an editorial about it, He's got a little, like, energy going. He's like, fuck this. I'm sick of this. If it's got to the point I'm going to write two pages, I'm going to waste time of my day writing to you people because you don't get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he, was, he, was, he was passionate about he was it. Pissed. He was passionate about it. He was pissed. He's trying to be politically correct. He's trying well, to this, be, yeah, this... you know, appease the sensitive types out there. But fuck, sometimes you just got to say it. You just got to come out and go, people, what? People, defog your goddamn masks <laughs> so you can see what I'm saying here. They start buddy breathing in the shallow end of the pool and then move to the deep end for one or two practice sessions during subsequent lessons. If the student is lucky enough to have a really thorough instructor, they might get another practice session at 20 or 30 feet during their final open water checkout. Again, this is in a day when, yeah, Mm -hmm. so this was, you did the one day, you did two dives. Now in dive master training, you do a little buddy breathing gear exchange thing. Right. But I don't see it anywhere else. So I don't even think they teach buddy breathing. Well, in, in, in 2019, mm-hmm. the majority of candidates come in at that point. This is the first time they've ever exactly. been exposed That's what I'm to at. buddy yeah. breathing. That's what I'm getting at is they don't even know what it is No, for, for the most part. They got a, got a little blurb about it in open water class. Never practiced it. Just got that blurb. It was on the test. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Advanced rescue all your silly specialties nothing else peak performance buoyancy isn't going to teach it yeah and then later on down the road you know you, you going to be a dive master you got to buddy breathe while you're while you're doing a gear exchange what 
the fuck am I doing? Well, hey, what's that? Yeah. Well, I know plenty of dive masters that come into the training that yeah. s- still can't even clear their mask without choking. Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole. Other, that's a whole. Other, not a that's a whole master, other show. They're a choke master. <laughs> <laughs> Almost never is a student trained and practiced an actual buddy breathing ascents, and I and I would I would say that uh, today that that includes just a basic air sharing ascent. Oh, yeah. Well, look at that video. Yeah. The pool is generally too shallow to effectively simulate this condition, and the open water checkout is too brief for survival training. Seldom is the student told to periodically practice buddy breathing after he graduates from scuba class. I mean, how many times uh, do you teach a a rescue class where you know you're going to throw a couple of those scenarios into the training, and Mm -hmm. and people have to sit there and even think, like, how their octo works again because they've never... Other than hooking it up to that, oh, yeah. that clip when they get suited up, uh, they, they've, they've never, never touched it. the yeah. thing. It probably since, doesn't even since work. Since open water. It could have clay, you know, dried out in there. I mean. Jesus Christ, by the way, you should have seen this regulator I, I was working on at the shop yesterday. Really? I took Man. apart. Oh, my God. Was it, I, I was needed it full a, of shit? I needed a hazmat a, team oh, really? uh, when I took the second stage apart. Nice. What kind was it? Wow, it was disgusting. What kind of rig was it? It was a, uh, a Mari's Carbon. Oh, really? So it wasn't old or it, No, it wasn't yeah. super old. I mean, it was a new, high-end regular. He just didn't take care of it. No, it was... I'm assuming it's a guy, because a woman would never do that. Yeah. Although buddy, <laughs> although buddy breathing requires a certain degree of skill, coordination, and timing, the diver may never again practice this emergency procedure until his buddy runs out of air at 100 feet two years later. No wonder there's fumbling and confusion. Oh, that'll go well. That'll go really well. <laughs> Probably not. Ay, ay, ay. Right, and and I mean, well, God uh, forbid. They and luckily, have a, nowadays a, there there is YouTube videos of all these fumbling and confusion uh-huh. videos. You can just get on and watch for hours. But then again, you go one step further and you find out well, people they lived through them, so people are like, oh, they did fine. Well, really? You, you you know what? You really? are so right. Yeah. yeah, people just look at it and they go, wow, man, they made it up. Awesome. And, and then you and I look at it and you go, oh, my God. No, 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 no. This no. is terrible. Yeah. Well, it just goes, you know, goes back to the. Well, the, it, it goes back to that point of people have this ingrained thought of shit hits the fan. All you got to do is pop to the surface. Right. If you can pop to the surface, if you can get a couple breaths off a regulator along the way, even better. Uh-huh. But just get up to the surface. False. It, it, yeah, that, yeah. 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 That, that's not true. It's not how it should be taught. That mentality needs to be like erased completely. That that mentality is where you know you build. You go into your open water class and you say, "Listen, this is not how we do things ever." You just don't ever. I got to go to the surface. Never. I I hate to use absolutes, but I'm trying to think of a time when, okay, I I'm just gonna blow to the surface and then they'll you know people say well what if you catastrophically run out of gas and you're by yourself yeah, at so, 30 feet I, I'm yes like, if you well. if you screwed up every single possible thing that i'm trying to teach you along the way right you might get in that position but shame on you thank you there are so many so many things in between that and the rarity of that happening versus it should be taught as the exception not the right rule. right you say you may if if you dive 10,000 dives and you're a complete idiot you may actually have one circumstance where your tank explodes on your back and you're at 60 feet by yourself because your buddy went who knows where 
and you got to fly to the surface. So let your weights go and, and I mean, take I, your I would go so far as to say it would be much smarter to to train multiple versions and scenarios of the air share right. over one explanation of <laughs> yeah. the blow and go. Yeah, I'm well. I'm with you a thousand percent. But we got to deal with the the masses. Wouldn't it be far safer for instructors to encourage buddy breathing practice on a regular basis? The time I find most convenient for such practice is while hanging off on the anchor line during the 10-foot stop. Repeated practice is the only certain preparation for an emergency, panic-prone situation. Boom. Yeah. I mean, he was calling it out there. I mean, you're, you're sitting around doing a safety stop. I mean, if you've got the, I mean, if you don't have the ability to pull off a safety stop at the end of your dive, right? There, there's more problems that we yeah. need to deal with. But assuming that you're a diver that that can hold a stop at the end of the dive, you can either sit there and wait for your computer to go blinky <laughs> blinky. <laughs> you you can goey goey now, yeah. right? And right. you can, you throw in a, a couple practice air shares while you're maintaining buoyancy and and controlling yourself not accidentally popping to the surface mm-hmm. in in that situation well yeah you're gonna really well prepare yourself much more than you were for if that situation ever were to arise because what tends to happen is when when people go into that situation they crash into each other which throws them head up mm-hmm. feet down they're fighting and struggling oh, which yeah. is causing their feet they to wiggle place in the water column they start, they start rising, rising to the surface without even realizing it their buoyancy yeah. expands and they they pop to the surface before they've even really established control of the situation yeah i don't think people especially people go, in the beginning hey we made it oh holy that was close yeah. we made it and then it reinforces their previous behavior, which is, I don't need to practice right. because we had this and I did fine. Well, no, you didn't do fine. You know, and we go back to the emphasis on trim during all things, buoyancy control during all, all aspects of the dive. If you are out of trim and you change your, your, uh, your trim or your attitude in the water, your physical attitude in the water, that changes the gas in your BCD and dry suit, which changes your buoyancy. Yeah. So if you can't, don't have those things under control normally, like during the regular portions of the dive, during an ascent or descent and in a panicky situation, you're going to be all over the place. You are not going to be able to handle it well. And that's where that snowball starts, right? Right. And, and this is when we look at the the reports in the BSAC report and the Dan reports of the divers yeah. coming together and separating and, and then one has an issue and then the other one has a, a an issue that mm-hmm. compounds. It's, you know, they're trying to pull this off. They're struggling with their buoyancy and the trims them, themselves mm-hmm. and then trying to do it two people together holding onto a 30-inch hose and, right? and one's going like up, one's going down. Wide-eyed. <laughs> going, know, I'm with you, man. If I'm, we I'm 100% split with you. up, somebody's probably dead. Above all, Paulie says, a detailed procedure and alternatives must be established for buddy breathing assistance. When it is not feasible to attempt buddy breathing, how should you approach a panicked diver? How should you buddy breathe with an unconscious diver? These are a few of the questions which need immediate answers. He says True. back in 1972, and I think... In, a, in many situations, mm-hmm. these are still question marks for the industry. Oh, they still are. You know, he keeps talking buddy breathing. Nobody's buddy breathing out there. But he, uh, yeah, yeah, I would substitute air sharing today but for I what he's saying. Buddy, buddy breathing, breathing is still a good thing to know. It's absolutely a yeah. good thing to know. I mean, I mean, it's you are 
a human being going underwater into a hostile foreign environment oh, yeah. where well, I like to tell my out, students man. the you watch out the you're going to get the political nature people. is right. trying to kill your ass every second that you're down there so you have to be smarter than nature are you saying you can die you don't can. say it you man can. And, you're going to get the industry and, and, and you can right. start having all your gear failing around you so I don't think it is obnoxious of a thing for an advanced level diver to know Hey. How to get two people mm-hmm. breathing off just one one hose. One, mm-hmm. one hose. If the if the total shit hits the fan and this mm-hmm. is all we got, at some level in your diving ability, you should have that training under your belt. If nothing else, it adds confidence. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put my uh I wouldn't put somebody in a, going through a discover try scuba for the first time through something like that. They would I wouldn't would. need <laughs> <laughs> You need to be able I'm to kidding. dodge. You never know when you're gonna get <laughs> somebody's gonna be shooting a machine gun around you on a dive. I, li- I like yeah, that, I mean, there's, that, there's that a level of dodgeball. That's yeah. that's how I like to approach scuba diving. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so old Polly finishes this double trouble editorial again, January 1972. Not a skin diver. Isn't it time we start telling new divers how to cope with an underwater emergency instead of just telling them how to avoid one? Plan for the accident. Boom. Plan. Yes. That's the thing is humans are going to make mistakes, so you have to fail safely. And we talked about this and, and our good friend Gareth Locke, and uh, he preaches this stuff. Fail safely. Yeah. Rather than just sitting there going, don't run out of air. Right. How about we go, running out of air is a very real possibility mm-hmm. when you're underwater. Yeah. So these are the things that we use to manage that air supply to mitigate those problems. And when it happens, it's not, a, it's not the uh, you know, end-all, be-all of the world or whatever you want to say. When it happens, it's not the end of the world for you. It's a, a, little, a little bump in the road, dives over, let's go up, but it's done calmly, cool. And, and, and you're and able safely. to do that because your gas management isn't just about the gas in your tank. Thank you. It's also about the planning of the dive all around. It's who you have in the water with you. That team. The organizi- yeah, organization of the team. It's more to it than just looking at the needle on your gauge mm-hmm. or the, the beepy beepy right. on your computer. And just having a body there isn't, isn't the answer. Having a body with a, you know, a scuba setup underwater with you isn't the buddy team correct it's not a team it's just two people scuba diving yes yeah, which brings other. us yeah. back to that whole talk of that we had earlier right. is there's a difference between a buddy and a teammate in the water very good dude that was a great dive that was a pretty good dive uh, i like uh i mean this goes along in our trend uh in these past few episodes of you know taking a look at the state of the the industry as far as the accidents that are happening, the the problems that we're seeing with uh, training and, and, and accident preparation. And have seen now for decades. Well, yes, that's the beauty of this article, is we aren't saying anything new. We, the Great Dive Podcast, thankfully, they're smart, genius-type folks. Those that, guys are brilliant. That agree with us. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they've been saying this for decades, right? This is nothing new. My, my initial scuba instructor, my open water scuba instructor, used to talk... You know, we go sit and have a beer and talk. He would say things about, you know, 
the problem with scuba instruction and, and how it should be taught. See, that's good. Yeah. You're lucky. My scuba instructor originally <laughs> talked to us about spare airs. <laughs> spare airs. You know, it's one of those things, uh, you, you're creating a solution that really doesn't identify the problem. It's not attacking the problem. It's, you know, putting equipment in as a solution. And it's never, it's, equipment can be bettered, right? And yeah, Better yeah. engineering, but. It's, it's one way. But skill and knowledge, ability and understanding of what's going on is really, you know, you have to analyze that stuff and see where is really the problem. Yeah, so uh, big shout out to old. Paul Zamoulis. Big shout out to old Paul Zamoulis. Um, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find a couple. Of, he's got a couple more that I was looking at back in those days. There's some really good, good ones. And I might have to have you read his agitated, yelling, <laughs> yelling at the, uh, yelling at the world. Well, uh, I'm some assuming. More. <laughs> I'm assuming if Paul's has any passion well, about I scuba mean, this diving, is a day, like, like this we is do. a day when he's, uh, you know, he's writing. He's got 50 exclamation points in this. Uh, in this editorial. All right, guys. So on that note, um, let's uh, let's sign these logbooks. Greek. He's got like he's a, he's a good diver. He's Greek. Me, uh, All Greeks <laughs> are great divers. Have me your book there. <laughs> okay, here you go. That was double the trouble, buddy. Double trouble and you bubble. Uh, get well soon. Same. Now safe diving, folks. See ya. It's called entertainment, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs>